Man, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We want to welcome everybody watching online, especially our Grayson campus. Man, God is using you guys greatly in Carter County. We are one church in two locations, and we believe God has great things in store. Speaking of great things, can you believe this past Wednesday at our, at our uh, summer kickoff, we had over 160 students and nine kids give their life to Jesus. Come on, man, that's awesome. Yes. Foam pit. I mean, it was amazing. It is June, so not that means, right? Hot weather just around the corner. But here at Better Life Church, usually we dedicate June, the month of June, to like a family series. We have Father's Days coming up. You don't want to miss Father's Day. It's going to be amazing. We've got a lot of great things planned for Father's Day. We have a child dedication. So if you're a parent, you want to dedicate your child. We got that's coming up this month as well. We're going to be looking at how do you balance work and family and the tension between work and family. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. So you make sure you want to be a part of that. We're going to be talking about parenting, right? A little bit about parenting and how does that work? And how, how do you parent, especially if you're in blended families and things like that? So there's a lot of different things we have covered up coming in this series. And this series is a family series. And, and if you're single and you don't have kids or a family yet, this is going to be a great series for you to kind of walk through and learn a little bit about a family, the priority of a family, and what God and how He organizes a family. And so today I want to focus on the foundation of the family. And now I'm, going to, I'm just going to take this for granted, okay? I'm going to take this for granted. I'm not going to spend the whole time, my whole Sunday morning on this. But every family, it needs to be built on God's Word, like the family should be built on the Word of God. That's a given. God's principles, God's Word, what God says. If you will build your family on God's Word, God will use it in a great way. And ways you can build your family, you can pray together as a family. You can read your Bible together as a family. You get it to go to church as a family. You bring your family to a place where maybe you're in a groups with other families. You know, a kids ministry, a student ministry. But whatever it takes to build a family on God's principles and God's Word, that is a given. So I'm not going to spend a whole Sunday like, how do you build a family on God's principle, God's word? Here's the, here's how you do it. Ready? Listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do. Okay. I mean, it's like, like, that's that simple, right? Get in God's word. He has the principles on how to raise a family and build a family. But today I'm going to talk about what I believe is the foundation of that family. Yes, it's the word of God, but what do we build first on that word of God? And today we want to talk about is marriage. Marriage is what builds the foundation of the family. Without a healthy marriage, there is no healthy family. Marriage is the top priority we're going to talk about today when it comes to focusing on a family. And you have a 100% chance to succeed in your marriage if you do it God's way. You have a 100% chance to succeed in your marriage if you do it God's way. I mean, no one gets married Hopefully that's going to end. At least I never met nobody like that, right? I mean, I've never been to premarital counselor going, I really don't like this joker. I'm just going to marry him anyway and then see if it works out. I mean, no one goes into marriage hoping, right, that it will end. But if you do it God's way, I'm telling you, it will be successful. And, and, and we're going to look at that because everyone comes from different backgrounds. You have blended families, which are difficult to manage and work through, right? You, you, you have a different raise in how you was raised. Uh, different levels of parenting, some with newborns, some with the children are out of the house now. So we have this multi-generational and differences of family. But if you do it God's way, it doesn't matter. It works in all the principles. So we're going to look at that. And to look at that, we got to go back to the beginning. So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to a very familiar pastor, I mean, passage that you guys have read, you've went through, you've heard at weddings. But we're going to walk through this and we're going to learn some of the principles of how to build a, a great marriage. Because without a great marriage, we will not have a great family. 
And so these are some things for you, especially if you're not married yet, this is good. If you're thinking about getting married again, these are some good things to go through as we figure out maybe what went wrong in the first one, how do we work through it, and how do we plot now in our life. If you're struggling, and let's just face it, there are people here today, you're struggling in your marriage. I mean, you're like just, you're, 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 the straw's about to break, you're about to sign the papers. Some of you, you, you're waiting for the papers to be signed. You know, I talked a little bit about marriage back in the February series called Loveology. And I never forget, I got a text message uh, from someone who said their friend, actually, their, him and their wife were going to get divorced. And, and it was on a, this was on a Tuesday. And they were scheduled at 3 p.m. to meet with the lawyer, sign the paper. And then that morning, they, uh, he, the husband, started watching the Loveology series. It caught his attention. And he started watching one about marriage, how you fight for your marriage and how you stick into your marriage. And he calls his, his soon-to-be ex-wife and she begins to watch it as well. And they watched it together and they realized before three o'clock, they decided let's tear the papers up. Let's work this out. Let's do it God's way. I'm here to tell you, if you've been at Better Life Church long enough, you're going to believe this, that we believe the best is yet to come. And if God can resurrect his son from the dead, he can resurrect your marriage from the dead. And so we believe that. So you just hang on and let's just walk through this and look at maybe where some things that went wrong and where maybe we have got sidetracked when it comes to our marriage. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So God made all the creation, all the animals, and everyone had a pair but Adam. So he goes to Adam and says, not good for him to be alone, so let's pair up with someone. So I will make a helper who's just right for him. Now skip down to verse 21. So the Lord God calls the man to fall asleep into a deep sleep. And some of you ladies realize he still hasn't woke up. But anyway, I thought that was funny. But anyway, that's another uh, a whole message. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Don't miss this real quick. Just a side note. Eve had a relationship with God before she had a relationship with the man. God brought her to the man. Listen to me, ladies. One of the greatest things you could do is cultivate that relationship, especially if you're a single lady. Cultivate that relationship with God the Father. Verse 23. At last, the man said, this is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his family and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. You've heard that passage many times at at weddings. Now the man, you did, probably didn't hear this one, but now the man and his wife both were naked and they felt no shame. Here's what you got to understand about a family. Family works the way God wants it to work. Family works God's way. If you do it God's way, your family will work. And the foundation for a healthy family is a healthy marriage. And we see in this passage how God defines marriage. Marriage is between one man and one woman for the rest of your life. Man doesn't get to redefine what God has said. Our Supreme Court don't get to redefine what God has said. There is no alternative. It's not two women. It's not two men. It's one man, one woman for the rest of their life. Now, so many people will get all tied about that. But here's what you got to understand. This is not our home. This is not our world. This world is in rebellious against God's word, rebelling against himself, and this whole planet is rebelling against him. We're, the Bible says we're just foreigners passing through here. So listen, this thing's going to happen. It's going to get worse before it ever gets better. In fact, if you look to the back of your Bible, guess what? We win. It's going to be okay. And so as the world gets worse, and it will, it should not shock you. 
And it should not shock you that marriage is not working the way that God has ordained it to work because we think we're smarter than God. We think we get to refine it. Statistics has proven it over and over and over that marriage and family, take God out of the picture, works better when there's a mom and there's a dad who love each other. All the way through and through, the statistics keep proving that over and over and over. So God says there's an order to this. And the order is one man, one woman for the rest of the life. That is what marriage looks like. And so with that foundation of the marriage, looking forward, what are some things we can learn to build a healthy marriage? Well, when you look at verse 24, there's some things that we can look through. There's a few words I want to point out pay a little attention to them, give a little bit of application of how we can apply this. And maybe if you're struggling in your marriage, you may be able to see or find out maybe where you kind of maybe got off track and how you can get back on track. The first thing I want to talk about is the priorities that takes place in marriage. Look at verse 24. This explains why a man leaves. That's the word we're going to look at in just a minute. Leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. What is he saying when he said leaves? Leaves is a meaning of first in priority. To leave something means there's a higher priority. And this means that we are to put our spouse before anything and anyone on the planet. Now we know that God's center. I'm not saying before God and all that stuff. That's the foundation that it's built on. But our spouse are number one before anything or anything else on the planet. And here's the thing. We put good things in front of our spouse. And sometimes we don't even mean to it. I mean, if you just look here at the passage, it says this, that you leave your mother and your father. You want me to tell you why a lot of newlyweds are having problems? Because some of you haven't left your parents yet. You still let mom and dad influence you and dictate you and tell you how you should do it and how job you and where you should move. And the problem is that, listen, you love them, you honor them, but your husband or your wife is now your number one priority. They're the number one influence in your life. And so the reason why a lot of young people are even having problems is because mom and dad keeps putting their nose in their business. Now listen, mom and dad means well because they love you. They don't want you to make the mistake that they made, so they will share with you. Wait, listen, now I didn't used to do it that way. I'm not you, mama. You say that until you have kids and then you become your parents. You ever notice that? And so listen, there's a healthy boundary there. But the, problem, the thing is you've got to understand this. You've got to walk away from everything. And your spouse is knowing, that's why you said I do. And when you said I do, you said you are number one before anything and everything else in my life. Your parents can't have first place anymore in your life when you get married. Some of you, you put your career before your spouse. Especially, usually guys struggle with this more than ladies. Right, you get a new job, you get a new promotion, it's going to require you to travel more, but you make a little bit more money, and you get to send a little bit more money home, you get to send a check home, because you think that's what a success, successful man does, and you provide for your family. But let me tell you what, your kids don't need more presence, they need your presence at home. And so we'll put a career because of our accolades to prove a point. I've worked hard in school, I've got these degrees for this. To do what? To lose your family? To lose your wife? To lose your spouse what what is that and so we take good things and that is good that you bust your tail and it's good that you work hard and it's good that you provide for your family but you got to understand bro she comes before your job and listen and sometimes this is where it goes sideways in our lives some people they put their friends or recreation before their before their spouse i love my friends I love having friends. I love doing things in recreation. But if your wife keeps going, hey, you, you do this every week and you're never home with your family, that should be an indication to something. 
And so many people put good things even before the best thing, which is your marriage. Your marriage is the number one priority. It's the number one thing in a family. Now, I know the calls are going to come out when I mention this one, but it's okay. I'm ready for this. We'll walk through it together. Your marriage comes first before your children. And that is very hard for some people to swallow. I have four kids. I love them more than anything else in this world. I would give my very life for my kid. And what parent wouldn't do that? But here's what you got to understand something about your children. They are temporary assignments. There will come a day that you will not influence the way you think. They don't want to listen. They can do what they want to do. They can go where they want to do. And you've done everything right and you've tried your best. And they may be good things. But they are temporary assignments and they will grow up someday and go on their own. And listen, here's the reality. No kid wants their parents following them around the rest of their life. If you don't believe me, just ask them. Ask them. I know you love them and mean well, but they are a temporary assignment. It doesn't mean you stop parenting. You'll be there for them when they come to you. But the reality is you aren't the number one influence anymore in their life. And when you grasp that, and the problem is, especially young couples, they make it all about the marriage, and they make it all, I mean, sorry, about the children, and then the children grow up, and they go off, and now you have two people who don't know each other, they're just roommates, because they never took the time to focus on each other. Let me tell you, the greatest thing you can do for your children is display them and show them what a godly marriage looks like, and what that may entail. And so I know, and I'm not trying to be mean about that because we're at different stages. When you have a baby, baby, like if you're, if you're a new, if you're a young family, you just had your first baby. Let me tell you what that does to our guy. It shows really how selfish we are, right men? Because now we got another little booger right beside us in the bed. You know what I'm saying, right? Love him to death. But guess what happens? You can't get what you want when you want it. Because you got the mood set, tonight's going to be that night, you've been waiting, you've been waiting for this moment, and then, wah, wah, like, shut up, kid, <laughs> right? I, I've never done that before, ever, <laughs> ever. But the reality is what that does is it shows how selfish we are because we want what we want when we want it. And we got to understand that, listen, the number one priority, the best thing I can do for my children is to love their, wife, to their mom and to show them what that looks like. A healthy family is not built around children. A healthy family is built around the marriage. Because someday those little gremlins you raise are going to go off and you're going to roll over and he's still going to have bad breath. And he's still going to be there. And you don't be like some couples who realize they didn't know each other no more and they end up getting divorced because they don't, they're just roommates. You've got to figure this out. A marriage is the healthiest part of the family. And when a healthy marriage is in place, there will be a healthy family. Now, I was reading a survey this week in preparation about some marriage and, and, and different statistics and, and looking at the satisfaction rate. Like, how satisfied are you and what part of your marriage were you the most satisfied? Newlyweds scored the highest. In the younger years of marriage, you're the most satisfied in your marriage. When children come into the marriage, dad begins to focus on career, mom begins to focus on the kids, and there's a little bit of dissatisfaction in the marriage. But the lowest point of satisfaction in the marriage is when actually the kids were teenagers. This is what the studies have been showing. That when the families, when the kids are teenagers, it's the least satisfied that married couples are. And then finally, when the kids leave the house, the marriage comes back up satisfactory-wise, but never to the point like it was in the beginning. Let me tell you something. God has designed marriage to get better and better and better every year. And if your marriage is not getting better and better and better every year, it may be something's out of prioritized. 
Or maybe you're not doing something the way that God has wanted you to do or wants you to do. Now, I know there's, when you have, when you think about this, blended families throws a little kink in the mix, right? Because traditionally you get married and now you have kids. And a blended family, you have kids and then you get married. And that can bring a whole lot of different added, you know, mindset because most people go into their second marriage with their guard up. I've been hurt. Someone's hurt me. I don't know if I trust you. I'm not going to let you hurt me or my kids. And I'm here to tell you as a blended family, if you, if you, I mean, if you have a blended family, you got to make your marriage the top priority of that blended family. And if you say, well, I just don't know if I can do that because I, I got to protect my kids. My kids are mine. There's no way someone can love them. We're going to talk about this in a parent series. There's no one that someone can love my kids more than me. You're right. They don't have the natural love for your kids, but they can have the greatest, highest love for your kids, which is agape love, which is a choice love. Even though they're not the biological parent, they can choose to love your child just as much as you love them. And if you got to go and go, I don't know if I trust them with my kid. I don't know if I can give them authority over my kid. Then don't marry them. That is your choice. So that's why it's a little tricky. You got to work through this. I know, especially in the parenting. Well, I'm not their dad. I don't know if I can discipline them. I'm not their mom. I don't know if I, well, and then that parents are doing their way and I'm trying to bring them to church. Ah, right. I've, I've seen it. And so how do you work through that? I'm getting ahead of myself. That, we'll talk about that in the parenting series. So if that intrigues you, we'll, we'll walk through that just a little bit. But when it comes to a blended family, listen, still the number one thing you can do in a blended family is put the marriage at the highest priority and show your kids and displays what a godly marriage. You may learn from your mistakes from the second one because it takes two to the tango. I know some people get completely blindsided and have no idea that someone went sideways. I get that. But the reality, most of you saw it coming or you felt it and you knew there was tension. It takes to learn what didn't happen the first one and figure out how we're going to make it right in the second one. In fact, that's why 60 to 70% of second marriages end in divorce is because of blended family issues. They don't know how to navigate it. And they don't want to get hurt no more. So I did did it once, I'll do it again. And you sign the papers again. We're here to help build families. How do we stay intact? So there is this priority. And honestly, even Christians get this out out of whack. They put other great things even before, even before their family, even before their wife. We even see this honestly, even with pastors and stuff like that. I made a commitment from day one before we started this church. Anyone can be your pastor. I'm the only one going to be her husband. I put my family before this. I'm not going to die on the altar. I didn't die for this church. Jesus did. This is his church. He will build his church. I will lead it faithfully. I'll do everything in my power, everything he asked me to do. But someday I will die or retire and someone else will be here and to lead you all. And I will steward this. It's an honor at the time, but this is not my church. This is not my church. This is his church and he will build his church. He will lead his church, but there's an order to it. God has an order to everything. There's an order to the universe. If you believe in the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's an order to the Trinity. There's an order to your body. There's an order to marriage. There's an order to the church body, how it functions and how it rules. God is a God of order. I am no better than a lady. Men are not greater or superior than a lady. In God's eyes, we are both equal. But in God's eyes, there is an order how things work. And if you will work the order, then your marriage will work. And it's not, a, it's not an issue of who's more important. It's just the order. God said, I've defined it. If you'll do it this way, it will work. The problem is we get it out of order. And we wonder why. And here's what happens. When it don't work, we blame God. He's like, you're not even doing it my way. If you'll do it my way, it will work. 
Then in 24, go back to verse 24, it says that a man may leave his, man leaves his father and his mother, and watch this, is joined, is joined to his wife. I want to talk about the pursuit of marriage. It's joined to his wife. That word join means to cleave. It means to be stuck to. It means to be glued. Like you and your spouse are now glued to each other and to be close to each other, and which is what it implies, closeness, you have to pursue each other. If you're not pursuing each other, you will not be close to each other. And what typically happens, one spouse pursues each other. The spouse is like, okay, they're not really into it. And all of a sudden, this spouse stops pursuing, and now the other one starts to, but it's too late. You got to figure out how do we stay close? Are we pursuing each other? Just like you were in dating. That's the problem with us. We pursue something until we secure it. And when we secure it, we take it for granted. You pursue her while you're dating. Then you put a ring on it. And now you take it for granted. I would tell you and I would suggest to you, you should pursue each other stronger than you did before you were even dating, when you were dating. You got to pursue after each other and keep going working for each other. You got to get close, talk to each other, pray with each other, learn each other's love language. We did a marriage night back in the spring or back in February and we talked about this. How, what's your love language? Schedule time together. In fact, hiring a babysitter for some of you may save your marriage because now you can start putting focus on your marriage and on each other. And I've, I've heard it. I know what happens. Well, pastor, my emotions change and my emotions change and we're just not close anymore. And since we're not close anymore, I'm just not happy. And God wants me to be happy. And all my friends tell me I should be happy. So I must have married the wrong person. And I will tell you no, because your emotions and feelings will go up and they will go down. They will be high and they will be low. You stay the course. But pastor, I look on Instagram and I look on Facebook and I'm telling you what, the grass is greener over there in their mirrors. That's because you can't see the manure. And every marriage has manure, whether you smell it or not. But the people who've worked through that has allowed that to fertilize and grow and now their marriage grows into something stronger and beautiful and better and greener is because they went through this junk over here. You've got to figure out how do I work through this and pursue each other because marriage is a daily thing. You better not take it for granted. The moment you let your guard down, I'm telling you what, the enemy is going to swoop right in. You can't take your marriage for granted. It is a daily thing, a daily pursuit after each other and you, you know some people say well pastor I just fell in love with them I just don't love them no more and I don't know if I can get it back yeah you can you can and the reason why I know that is because in Revelation chapter 2 Jesus speaks to the church of Ephesus and you know what he tells, tells the church of Ephesus you guys have fell out of love with me and if you want to come back into love with me this is what you got to do remember repent and redo Ephesians chapter, I mean, uh, Revelation chapter 2. He says, if you'll do this, we will restore this fellowship. And the same way, remember how it used to be? Repent of your sins, both of your sins. Now redo what you used to do. And I'm telling you what, those feelings will flame back and you could have the marriage you've always dreamed of if you would just trust him. A healthy marriage, listen, doesn't happen by chance. It happens by choice. Choose a happy marriage. You can't change yesterday. You can't go back and fix all that stuff. Today's a new day. 
Start over today and let's make it the best marriage you've ever, ever, ever had. It can do that. It will do that if you will just do it God's way. If you will work it the way God tells you to work it, it will work. And so I want to encourage you to start to pursue each other again. Start to go after each other. And I know some of you right now are going, well, I just don't want, I just don't want it no more. And here's what happens. You've been hurt, ladies, verbally, or there's been things said, and all these different things and, and different might, might have been said to you, and your heart's hard. And let me tell you, sir, when you know that her heart is hard, there's no more tears. The moment she stops crying, there's no more tears, which means her heart is hardened towards you big time. But I believe God can break a heart. I believe God can restore that if you would trust him and allow him and get somewhere where you can work through this together. And so there's that pursuit of it. There's also a oneness that comes with marriage. Look what he says here in, in verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Marriage is all about sharing. It's all about sharing. It's, it's ours. It's not just yours. It's ours. Everything becomes one. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says even our bodies my body belongs to my wife. Her body belongs to me. It's our bodies. Everything is ours. It's our possession. It's our money. For some of you who have separate checking accounts and you do your own things, I'm telling you what, you're setting yourself up for disaster. It's not our, it's not yours, it's ours. And listen to me, and it usually falls more on the lady's side. If you are secretly spending so your husband don't know it, so you hide it for somewhere, if that's you, you got other issues. If you have to hide stuff from your spouse, there's something wrong with the marriage. I'm just letting you know that. And you're opening yourself up to a big, big, big enemy attack when you do that. It is our stuff. It's not yours. It's ours. It's together. And I know you're thinking, well, no, it's, I had this before. And we see this all the time. We're seeing it even more and more and all these prenuptial agreements and stuff. That is a death trap to marriage. That you're going, I don't know if he's going to stay. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if I trust you with my possessions. Then don't marry him. If you can't get to the place that I love you and I fully trust you and it's ours, then you even haven't dated long enough or you got the wrong person. This is your truth. Marriage is all about sharing. It is our, it's our time together. It's our problems, our idea, our suffering, our dreams. Not just your dreams. It is our dreams together. It's not mine. It's ours. The word mine will destroy your marriage. It's ours. And I know sometimes you'll see this and probably more than, and don't raise your hand if this is you, but typically you have a more dominant spouse than the other. Sometimes it's the wife, sometimes it's the husband. Some of you right now, you have a, there's, there's more dominant than the, I see some elbow and I don't be looking please right now, don't point them out, right? There's a little bit more dominant spouse, but I'm here to tell you, I'm being really nice as I can. Your dominant spirit will destroy your marriage. In fact, the least satisfied a spouse is, is one of them's domineering. If there's a dominant spouse, because here's what the dominant says, I'm not sharing, it's my opinion, it's my way or the highway. I'm right, you're wrong, I've got it, do it my way. If that, listen, sir, if you have to tell your wife to submit to you and you're the man, you're not the man. If you have to tell her you're the man, you're not the man. You love her to show her you're the man. You don't have to tell her. She will see that, and I promise you, she will follow you. And so if you have a domineering 
personality and, and in the relationship, you need to figure out how to, one, to repent. To your spouse, say, I'm sorry that I'm always in control of that. It's our, let's work this together. And y'all work through this because it's all about ours, not mine. And then lastly, verse 25, there's a purity part of this that I want, I want to share with. And in verse 25, it says that now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You see, sin is a purity destroyer. We know the story. Adam and Eve sinned. Their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. And they took fig leaves and they sewed them. And watch this. To cover up the most sensitive parts of their body. And you know what happens, right? They go hide because God comes to them. God says, where are you? They say, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? And then here comes the fallout. And here comes the consequences of sin. I'm going to be really honest with you. A lot of married couples don't get naked anymore. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about open up to the sensitive parts of their heart and their lives. And now marriage has come to this point where you don't open up with the sensitive part, especially to your spouse. You run to your girlfriends, you run to your boyfriends, you run to the people off to the side and you talk about your sensitive part, which is really one of the number one places that affairs begin, by the way. It's because you open up someone to the opposite sex, the sensitive things in your life. Ladies, you have scars and pain and maybe your husband verbally is the one that put those scars there and now you have sewed a fig leaf to hide this part and you don't want no one to know about it guys you hide behind well i'm just not an emotional person and i just don't know how to talk that's a that's i that's wrong i know you're emotional why because i go to ball games with you and i watch you yell at the refs you are very emotional you hide, but you sew a fig leaf going, oh, I just don't know how to communicate to my wife and I just don't know how to talk. Yes, you do. Quit hiding behind that fig leaf. You got to get to a point where you can open up and you can share the most deepest, darkest secrets or things in your life or things you're going through where everything's exposed and you're open and sensitive to the sensitive areas of your life. And we all have them. And here's what happens when we don't. We begin to blame Exactly what Adam did. Do you know what Adam did? God says, Adam, what happened? And look what Adam did. He blames God. That woman you gave me, she's the one did it. She's the one brought to me. He just blamed God for bringing the one. Now, if I was God, I'd be like, well, you had no problem when she was naked over there in the garden, right? I mean, what's your problem? Why are you blaming her now? Just pray for me. That's just how my mind works when I'm reading that. So God looks over at Eve and says, Eve, what happened? She blames the devil. Well, the serpent deceived me. And see, here's what happens when sin enters and destroys purity. We begin to blame. It's his fault he walked on me. It's her fault that she did. It's my parents how they raised me. And we begin to get this victim mentality and we begin to blame everybody instead of taking responsibility. Listen to me and I'm not being me. You cannot control what happens to you in life, but you do get to choose how you respond to it. And if something terrible happened in you and it's terrible and it hurts and there's pain and there's scars, guess what? But you get to choose how you're gonna to respond to it and take responsibility. Today's a new, I can't go back and change it. I can't go back and fix it, but I will respond anew today. And what we're longing for really is true intimacy. And I love if you wanna break down intimacy, it looks like this. 
into me you see. And a lot of married couples no longer have true intimacy because you can't see into them anymore. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. They're scared, especially your second marriage or your third marriage. I've been burdened. I've been hurt. And I've got a fig leaf sewed up so you can't get into my sensitive part because I don't want you to be hurt again. Instead of saying, no, I trust you and I'm going to let have true intimacy into me, you see. And I'm taking the fig leaf off of the sensitive areas of my life so you can see my brokenness, so you can see where I hurt, why you and I are now one. It's me and you for the rest of our lives. Why can I not open up and share this with them? And if you want this pure marriage, listen, take responsibility, admit your faults, ask for forgiveness, extend forgiveness. And remember, building a healthy marriage builds a healthy family. And here's the crazy thing about it. It is your choice. And as we kick off this family series, I want you to choose to have a healthy marriage so that the byproduct will be a healthy family. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. You know, I know just talking about this brings back maybe tons of emotions, negative emotions, or pain or scar, like you're still hurt or you're still bitter, maybe what happened in your first marriage or what's happening right now in your current. Some of you, your spouse is not even here with you today. Some of you, your spouse is not even a believer. And there's so many different dynamics, right? Y'all know this. We are a multi-generational church. Everyone's at different levels in their walk, in their life, in their marriage, in their families. But God has some principles that if you will apply them, it doesn't matter where you are in the stage of life, they will work. And a couple of things. One, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or if you're watching online and you never put your faith in Jesus, like you know of him, you even believe he's God's son, but you never surrendered your life to him. Like give him complete control of your life. Listen to me, sir. There's no way that you can love your wife the way that she deserves to be loved without first experience the unconditional love of Jesus. Listen to me, ma'am. There's no way you can love your husband the way he deserves to be loved without first experience the unconditional love of Jesus. So the greatest thing you can do for your marriage and your family is to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says this, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And so I want to beg you this morning, give your life to Jesus. Like that's the greatest thing you can do for your marriage, for yourself, for your family, is follow Jesus. His principles work, I promise you. And if that's you, you can cry out and pray to him right where you sit. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, watching online or in the house, to say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you came for me, died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I'm going to give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Now help me live for you and follow you all the days of my life. You know, I'm going to trust that watching online and, and, and in the house today, you, some of you prayed that. And here's what I want you to do. Just in a moment, I'm, I want you to go to the next step area at both locations. Over here, it's a red room. 
At Grayson, it's a banner there. It says the next step area. And I want you to go there and I'm going to tell them that you gave your life to the Lord. Because listen, we have some resources we want to give you. We have a Bible we want to give you. We want to help you. We want you to jump in life track. We're going to teach you how to read your Bible. And, and you're going to learn your spiritual gifts, how God has gifted you, how to share your testimony, your story with people. Are you, this is, you need to jump in life track. And we're going to walk you through and help you do this. And there's some of you here right now, you're ready to throw in the towel on your marriage. Listen, don't give up. Don't give up. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I know I don't. And my heart goes out to you. I'm going to pray for you. But I'm telling you, if we can get both spouses, because sometimes one wants to do it and the other one don't want to do it. If we can get both of them and say, let's just do this God's way. Let's go back to the basics. I'm telling you, you could have the marriage you've always dreamed of. Because a healthy family starts with a healthy marriage. Father, thank you so much for saving people. Thank you so much for your word and how applicable and how it applies to our life. God, I'm going to pray for every marriage online and in here today. That God, the marriages that are struggling, I just pray you will surround them with your presence, fill them with grace and mercy and guidance. Go, God, for the marriages that are just, they're just okay. It's an okay marriage. I mean, it's not bad, but it's okay. God, would you just restore that passion and let them know <laughs> that the best is yet to come, that marriage is created to get better and better and better and more intimate as they grow older together. And God, for those whose marriages are flourishing, like they're in a healthy place, they're in a good place, God, will you use them to minister to other people's marriage? Would you send broken marriages to the ones who have healthy marriages so they could be a godly example and, and walk people through what they've had to walk through? And God, that you will restore back the families. That we will fight for our marriages and we will fight for our families to raise them in this foreign world <laughs> your way. And God, we can't wait to see how you're going to use our families to impact the generations to come. We love you, Jesus. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you'd like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.